Welcome to Exploring Axon, a podcast where we discuss Axon Framework, Axon Server, and their ecosystem. I am your host and the producer of this podcast, Sarah Tori. In this session, I spoke with my guest Yaroslav Schnaubert, a software developer and a lead developer at the company Assist, about some of the challenges the newcomers might face when they first start using Axon Framework and uh, understanding some of the patterns that sometimes go along with it, such as domain-driven design, CQRS, and so on. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Yaroslav, and let's have a listen. Hi, Yaroslav. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you could please tell everybody a little bit about yourself, your background, and maybe where you're located. So hello, everybody. My name is Yaroslav, and uh, I'm from Prague. I work with, with a company called Assist, and uh, we cooperate with uh, Renault on, on our projects. And I have been working with uh, Axon Framework for three years, if I'm correct, maybe already four years. I'm not sure right now. <laughs> Wonderful. And then um, we had a chat a little bit after our conference last year in September when we met up in uh, Amsterdam. And uh, you and Richard had a really wonderful presentation on uh, the journey you've taken in uh, uh, collaborating with Renault uh, in one of their main projects, basically, which uh, which has a lot of traffic and it was an old application. You brought it up to modern days, which is really great. So um, one of the points that you had mentioned was regarding this kind of learning curve not just when it comes to um, Axon Framework, for instance, or any kind of framework uh, for that matter, but more so in regards to the patterns that uh, we talk about a lot of times. A lot of people are concerned about some of these patterns. Some of them are not really new. For example, domain-driven design is one of the patterns that a lot of times is talked about. Um, that's at this point is over 20 years old, but still is not really used to its full uh, potential a lot of times. But also with some of the other patterns, like, you know, separating commands and query sides of things and so on. You had some really good examples with some of the uh, new engineers that come to your team and also with yourself when you took on this project. What were some of the challenges for you to grasp all of this information without really feeling overwhelmed? <laughs> That's a good question. Well, uh, I think that the main problem is that everybody... Today, or most of the people, not everybody, of course, is using CRUD. Every course you take related to the beginnings to the development, everything is using the CRUD approach, uh, how to modify the data. For example, you are, you are learning how to use Spring repositories and, well, you're using CRUD in these tutorial tutorials. It's the same at the universities. And I think it's uh, actually... For, for the beginners, it's hard to learn CQRS if you don't specifically search CQRS. <laughs> mm, gotcha. This may be a main problem. <laughs> so how did you come across it? Was it because you were uh, involved in this project and um, your colleague, Richard, who uh, who's, uh, I believe he's the CTO of Assist? Yes, yes he's CTO. Yeah. Yeah. So um, was it because of him or had you heard of these terms before? It was actually because of him or maybe because other application which we already written in Axon Framework, it was using only the framework, not the server. Mm. And by the time I was in Assist for like a month maybe, and we had a new project and Richard told me, 
why don't you do it with the Axon framework? Uh, and I said, okay, well, yeah, I will take a look. And <laughs> I quite uh, found nice the idea because Richard yeah. is our main architect. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. But... Um... Was it a, so you found the idea nice, you know, when you mm -hmm. look at it in terms of um, sort of just theoretically, right? Um, it seems nice, you know, you have your commands, you do your logic or the decision making mm -hmm. part of the application on one side, and then you're not dealing with the data retrieval or anything on the same side, you have it on, on, on another location, right? Uh, within the same application. So that sounds really nice, you know, theoretically, <laughs> but then how do you, how was it practically for you? Well, of course, it was uh, hard to start with the Axon framework, and I see that for all beginners in our, or newcomers in our project, they really struggle with several things. So first of all, it was understanding the concept of DDD, let's say, mainly mm -hmm. what exactly is the aggregate and why do you actually need projections? This was the first problem. I think it's the problem for, for every newcomer in this concept to understand why actually do you need projection? Why do you actually build many projections for the same data. Like you have, for example, two pages in your application, each is using slightly different view and you have two projections, one per each of these pages. So. Yes, that I, was the issue for me as well uh, to understand. Yeah, when I yes, first yes. came in, I was like, why? <laughs> so then how do you explain that why? That's a good why. How do you explain it though? <laughs> well, <laughs> how to explain this? This is really a good question. Well, uh, firstly, I uh, explain what exactly is the aggregate and then I proceed uh, with uh, the projections. So mm -hmm. the aggregate is like a source, one single source of root on which you perform the updates uh, or, mm -hmm. well, the commands. Uh, I often compare it, as I mentioned on the conference, I compare it to a house from Lego bricks where you have some events. Uh, one event is the Lego brick, and as you put them one by one, you are building your Lego house. Mm -hmm. So this is the aggregate for me. And then we have the projection. It's like a point of view on the given aggregate. So or not only one aggregate, you can put several aggregates in the projections. It really depends on what you are building. Uh, oftenly you have like uh, one aggregate per, let's say, entity. And uh, then you have projection where you are actually holding all the entities and you are looking at them. Mm -hmm. I don't have a practical example for projections, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. This is a really good example, actually, with the Lego uh, bricks, because, you know, um, I think most of us have uh, the experience of playing with Legos, and, you know, you, you put the Legos mm -hmm. on top of each other to, to build a, a structure. And it's sort of similarly to what you explained with events, you can't really go in and grab one of the bricks from, from the bottom of your structure because it's, everything else is going to collapse, right? So you yes, do have exactly. to be mindful of what, what goes on top of what. That way, uh, if you do need to make adjustments, it's not going to collapse your, uh, your entire structure, your house or building, whatever you were uh, creating. Yeah, I, um, I, the daily, on a daily basis, I step on Legos because my, my boys are obsessed with Lego cre <laughs> creation. So this is, uh, yeah, um, feels like home to me, this example. So going <laughs> a little bit back to what you had mentioned with aggregate. So you said you usually uh, explain the need for various projections through uh, explaining what an aggregate is. Now, 
in the past year or so, we've also toyed around with the idea of um, not using an aggregate or not putting everything in, in a, a, a boundary mm-hmm. of aggregate, right? Uh, because it does make it a little bit difficult to do those adjustments, right? Because when you have an aggregate, everything has to happen in one go, right? And from the outside, it's an atomic change. So looking at an aggregate itself, would you say uh, now that we we have talked about these various changes and maybe aggregate is not really needed, maybe Mm -hmm. you could just have message handler classes or so on, which way would you recommend? Would you say... Let's not bound yourself to the boundaries of an aggregate uh, and be a little bit more flexible. Or how would you go about it? Definitely, I prefer flexibility. Uh, <laughs> uh, if you are asking this question, because uh, we are just facing this issue uh, in our current implementation. Basically, what I can say that we are developing uh, something like an eShop where you have a basket, and mm-hmm. uh, we are a feature that you can upload external basket from different application and then you can assign it to your basket. So basically you have to aggregate and we faced an issue that if when you want to assign the basket baskets together, you have to actually uh, fire two events because you have to uh, completely separate aggregate. So I yeah. definitely prefer the flexibility to only throw one <laughs> event because basically it's a duplicate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So in this case, in your particular example, when you're firing two events, um, does it then um, interfere one with the other or how do you then process it after that? This may be a bit complicated to explain because we are using sagas, but not Axon sagas. Uh, we have That's what I was headed identified... to, but it's, it's good that you're not yeah. using Axon sagas because now I'm more interested. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we actually used Axon sagas, but not uh, we do not uh, define the saga the same way like Axon Framework does. Uh, okay. We have uh, identified several patterns in our applications. Of course, command and queries, this is straightforward, I think. But as well, we have defined sagas and processes. Basically, mm-hmm. sa- with saga, we call everything that is synchronous. And with uh, process, we call everything that is asynchronous. Okay. Yeah, for example, asynchronous, I mean that, uh, I don't know, somebody orders something and you are waiting for the payment let's say mm-hmm. that can be an example yeah. and with synchronous actually we are doing uh, these uh, assigns uh, with the baskets for example so we have a saga which is triggered by a command this command is not bounded to any aggregate at all it has mm-hmm. some static id and we have a command handler not in an aggregate but uh, basically in a spring boot service Mm-hmm. Uh, then we can we start handle the command. We check the status in the external basket whether it is assigned or not. And if not, uh, we we just we send a command which is like which states like assigning is in progress or it has been assigned. Let's say. Then we send another command to the standard basket, and once everything is done, we verify the result. And if there was happened anything uh, badly, if there was any bad result, we send another command to the first basket, to the external one, which where we say that uh, it was not possible to uh, assign this basket, this external basket to the user's basket, and we send another mm-hmm. event that uh, the basket is, let's say, assignable. <laughs> Gotcha. So then that uh, Spring Boot service that you're using, uh, that's basically your process manager, which acts as your asynchronous yes, saga. Yes, exactly. 
Gotcha. So um, just by listening to you explaining this for, for, for a minute, it does seem very complex. So of course, you know, that flexibility can very much come in handy, right? Um, yes, yes. <laughs> so that's one of the, I think that's one of the things that um, is, it is confusing for newcomers when they come in with this idea of projections and why do you need to have these projections? And also, what kind of events do you need to store? Because a lot of times um, we've had this question and I, um, I can't remember if you were part of some of the discussions uh, the day before the conference, but there was a lot of uh, um, confusion and also many questions that were asked about how do you define what goes into an event and what gets stored, right? An example of yes. it was uh, <laughs> one person asked for... Uh, what if my user's email address changes and I can't update, I can't delete, right? You can't use, you can't use CRUD. So what, what do I do with this? I don't want to, to have this event constantly stored with an old email address and then publish a new event with a new email address. So those, those are some of the questions that were asked. So how do you tackle those decision, I guess I, that decision-making part of this process so you mean how we approach to modeling of aggregates? Modeling uh, the aggregates and also really understanding which events are being stored and what actually goes into that event, what information is stored within an event. So this is where the DDD comes in <laughs> because <laughs> we try to speak with the business as much as possible in order to understand how the application behaves. And then once we are feeling that we understand this, we actually start with the modeling of the events and commands. Once we have the events and commands, uh, somebody do, does the review, I, I do the review. And then yeah. once it's clear to everybody, we start with the implementation of exact callings of these commands, of firing of these events, and etc. So mm -hmm. firstly, we begin with the discussion with the business. Then we design the events and the commands, which, which are changing the data. And then we mm -hmm. proceed with the rest. And uh, I liked your example with, for example, changing of the email address. Uh, the email address isn't just change. It's changed based on some event. For example, a user updated his own email address in some settings or something. So this has to be an event. And uh, of course, your old event, or, sorry. <laughs> your old <laughs> event will be stored somewhere in the event store. However, you have an event that will override this email later. So everything mm -hmm. is in the history. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, and that's a, that's an important part to mention because everything goes into the history and you're not losing anything, right? And we see real examples of that as well. Um, for example, if uh, somebody has a name change or um, something like that, you want to still be able to keep the history of what their previous name was and now what they go by, right? And that's important because then you're not um, have, running into a situation where you're missing that part of information and then um, you don't know exactly if this is the real person that you were you, you know you were communicating mm -hmm. with a year ago and now ha they have maybe a different last name or what have you so um those are those are good examples one thing uh, that maybe, you mentioned that I, for, yeah go ahead sorry go for ahead. jumping in uh, no, no, maybe this is also a good example of the projections because it really the building of the projection depends on what actually kind of data do you want to keep in the projections do you mm -hmm. uh, do you care about the actual uh, data which are let's say real, real time right now 
for example, you can have some table with users and then you can find his email address. Okay, you take his email address, you send the email. Or for example, you can see some history of the uh, user changes. For example, all his previous emails. Okay, you have a projection where you keep all his uh, emails as a list, for example. Mm -hmm. so this may be yeah. a that's, that is a very good example. <laughs> and and I, 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 I want to touch on a couple of things too. Um, so the example that you gave right now is really great because part of it also goes back to what are you trying to define in your business, right? Um, what is the, the problem you're trying to solve and which context you're in, right? Because we're now talking mm -hmm. about a person and that person's uh, personal information might change. And that might be in, a, in, a, in one context where it has its own projections and you know, deals with, uh, with its own uh, set of questions and problems it has to solve, right? Um, and then you may have in another context, the same person, but you don't care about their personal information. Maybe you only care about um, their bank account history or something like that, right? So mm -hmm. those, are, those are really important things to, to consider as well as what goes into your projection based on what kind of business problems you're trying to solve. Exactly. <laughs> One thing you mentioned, which I love, and I want to repeat that, if I may, you said you you go to business, you you have a conversation with the business side to really understand their requirements, and then you start designing your commands and um, events and so on. Do you use um, a process such as event storming or event modeling, or how do you how do you mm -hmm. organize that conversation? Uh, we tried to use this uh, from the start, but... Uh... I love the tried. <laughs> we tried <Yeah>. it. <laughs> I'm assuming it wasn't successful, <laughs> but tell yes, me more. Yes, yes, it wasn't, it wasn't successful, unfortunately, because we, we were trying to do, to put everything together along with the business. But mm. uh, later then, we have uh, started like analyzing uh, the tickets on our own and then come back to the business with questions actually whether we understand correctly the behavior and from this we uh, are putting the commands and the events together mm -hmm. so basically so, there is still some confirmation from the business but we right. do it a different way <laughs> you, you don't you don't all huddle in the same room and then you know hash out the the details so then tell me what was not successful why wasn't it successful when you were trying to sit together and find out what are the points that you really have to discuss and what is that ubiquitous language going to be well, uh, I think it's mostly uh, the main problem was that it was really time consuming and, mm. you know, long meetings, everybody is not able to pay attention for the whole meeting. So we like right. uh, split it into the smaller, smaller pieces. So we have like uh, eight developers, including me in the team. So everybody has his own US. He splits mm. uh, US on his own, then he confirms it with the business and then he develops it. So it's not like mm. one... Uh, uh, day lasting uh, meeting, <laughs> but right. it's, it's like basically uh, several smaller calls. <laughs> yes, yeah, that makes it a lot easier because we we all know how much we love meetings, especially the long yeah. ones. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's a really good thing to also keep in mind. You know, if you want to do those sessions, maybe you know break them up. And so you mentioned that um, maybe one person who's working on one aspect of it, then they go to business and ask a question. Um, and then you are the person who then at the end of it comes in and reviews everything to make sure that everybody's basically on the same page before proceeding yes, yes. with, with coding, <laughs> right? Yeah. You have the fun yes, job. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah the I am basically doing uh, 
I'm not developing right now. I'm mostly code mm. reviewing, <laughs> but really yes. I don't mind. I don't mind. Yeah, I'm, oh, that's uh, good. That's good. I'm basically the validator of the ubiquitous language. I am, uh, let's say, validating that everything is named uh, as it should be and mm-hmm. uh, these things. <laughs> because, of course, know, as you know... Naming is the most important yeah. thing, right? <laughs> and once you put the event in the event store, you cannot rename it. Or you can, there are possibilities, but I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So, um, uh, yeah, and of course, you have to be careful with those things, right? Because anytime you change something in in your mm-hmm. event store, um, of, of course, you're not really changing the history, um, but you, you do want to be mindful of what's happening. Um, unless you do event well, it's, transformation, it's a bit then that's a little bit tricky. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a bit problem if you want to do some refactoring, which includes changing of data structures. Mm-hmm. However, I think this is an obstacle that you have to count with uh, when you come to this par- paradigm. Once you have something in history, it's unchangeable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of make peace with it, right? You may not love it, but yes, you know, yes. <laughs> if you want to have the, if you want to have a really um, accurate log of what has happened and, you know, you want to be able to go back and really in detail find out how things got to where they are, I think that's uh, that's an important one to consider. Well, basically, and of course, there are some ways yeah. how to perform these updates. For example, if you want to rename a field, there are ways how to work with the JSON serializer. If you are actually working with JSON, of course, that depends. Mm-hmm. Because as we, as everybody knows, uh, XML is for some reason default, <laughs> <laughs> right. which is a bit unpleasant. Yes. <laughs> for example, you can have a setter which will, which has the old name, and then you assign it to the new name value. So there are ways how to bypass some issues, but of course, renaming of the event can be tricky or moving it to yeah. different package. We have actually implemented a solution where uh, we don't have a package-related naming convention of events. So we don't store uh, com dot something dot something dot event name. We just call we just uh, fill in the event name. But of course, there was a tricky implementation in order to achieve this. <laughs> yes. So there, there was, you had to um, uh, put some magic into it, and, and, uh, so to speak, to to make it happen. So one of the things that we also discussed a little bit uh, was not just the understanding of the ideas and patterns and really <laughs> mentally get used to that, but also when it comes down to um, Axon Framework specifically, some of the annotations uh, that were a bit confusing. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yes, yes. I remember one colleague which was really, for some reason, struggling with event handler and event sourcing handler. I was uh, really was trying hard alone. to explain. We have a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the difference between the event sourcing and event handling, it was uh, really hard to explain. I, actually, he was a Czech as well, but I had to explain to him using an English because the event sourcing, mm. that you are sourcing the aggregate, you are like yeah. building your aggregate from the scratch. And then even handling that you are handling the event. So we had to use English for the explanation, not Czech, because in Czech it's, of course, completely different. <laughs> <laughs> that but, yeah. is so interesting. I had never thought about that. That's that, that's really interesting. I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned that, though, because that's something that we do have to uh, take into consideration because, the you know, things in language are, they mean different things. And sometimes in translation, they make it lost. So that's very interesting you mentioned that. And I, and I do say that it's, you know, it wasn't just your colleague who has this kind of problem. We've had a lot of questions mm-hmm. about that. And you're absolutely right. Um, so 
functionally, like when it comes down to it, they they do essentially the same thing. So they're not different from each other when it comes to, you know, if you're going down technical <laughs> aspects of it. But you're absolutely right. And one thing that I, because I do these intro webinars regularly, and I've been doing it for a while, and I have made a point of mentioning it during those webinars. And I'm glad you brought this up because I can, I can now say it again. Um, the event sourcing handler, uh, as you mentioned correctly, it's it goes under the aggregate and it sources your events. So if you are doing event sourcing, that is an annotation you want to use. If you're not using event sourcing, then don't even worry about it, right? Um, so that goes on the command side of your application, on the right side of the application. So you have, for instance, your um, annotated aggregate at aggregate, which is basically a spring annotation. Then you have your aggregate identifier, then you have your at command handler, and then at the bottom of the page, basically, if you if you like to organize it like this. I do, you have the <laughs> event sourcing handler. And then event handlers actually happen on the projection side of your application. So on the query side of the application, you have your event handlers, uh, and those are the um, handlers that deal with the events. So that's a... Uh, that's great. I'm so glad you brought that up. <laughs> that's, that's always asked. So what are, what are some of the other things that you uh, came across and you had issues with? Well, speaking of the Saga annotation, this is often a huge problem for us because, as we mentioned at the, somewhere in the middle of, of our talk, uh, yeah. we call Saga something different that is in Axon because, well, it should be a process in Axon. Yes. And I think I spoke with somebody from your team and he mentioned that it will be renamed actually to the process in version five, but I'm not hundred percently sure. We, yeah, we've talked about it for for years. It's supposed to be changed <laughs> to process manager, and hopefully, Axon Framework five will will make that happen. Yeah, it's 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 confusing, and I completely understand because Saga I'm history forward. means I'm different forward as well. For... I'm really looking forward for the refactoring once we will doing the upgrade, <laughs> you know, to rename everything to correct value. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. No, I understand. And uh, yes, rest assured, there, there are constant conversations happening. And uh, as we speak, they're really working on it to make it um, even better and more clear for everybody so that you, you don't run into some of these issues. So that's really, really... Um, Great feedback, first of all. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, it's also really wonderful to see that you are enjoying it, but uh, we, we're we not also making it all rainbows and butterflies because it never is, right? Um, and we are striving to make it better every day and uh, and hopefully we'll get there. But it's, it's also really great to see that um, it's actually helping some of these projects that you've come across and it's made life Maybe not at the beginning easier, but as you get more used to it and work with it, it, it does get easier. So have you felt that these um, uh, use of the framework or patterns or maybe some of these uh, design sessions that you've had with your team has helped you in the end with your projects? Because obviously, which we've talked about, the learning curve is a bit high and uh, mm. it might be exhausting sometimes, but have you come to a place where you feel like this actually really helped. This made my life yes, easier. Definitely. definitely. I am. Uh, I have uh, this opinion for a very long time, maybe almost since the beginning of the project, because actually in the microservice world, uh, always the biggest pain is how the services should communicate together. Mostly mm -hmm. you bounce to the rest and of course, yeah, you know, there goes the issues, <laughs> but uh, with the framework, <laughs> this is really wrong? easy to handle. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. What can go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> I remember that we had a session with Frederick and we were discussing an architecture of one uh, application which is communicating in micros- with REST uh, mm-hmm. uh, bounded to all microservices. And uh, we have uh, draw some nice satanic circle how everything is communicating in everything. <laughs> It was a spaghetti yeah, but... mess, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. It was a large spaghetti. So actually, I like the project or the product, which is Axon Framework. But what I appreciate mostly is the Axon server. This is the gold which I can see that is uh, developed because it handles really many things. Uh, the routing, uh, the registration of the connected clients. And this is where I mainly see the added value. <laughs> Mm, okay, so tell me a little bit more. Why is that so valuable to you? Obviously, I mean, you mentioned a couple of things, but where where is it um, the the point that you say, ah, I really can see the value in this, um, as opposed to if you are using other other services or databases. Mm-hmm. Well, for example, if you want to add uh, one one uh, new microservice, basically you everything you had to do is to fill in correct configuration. Then you have prepared your application. You register some new query handler, some command handler, and that's basically everything what you do. You don't have to do any further registration. Maybe in Axon Server you have to register your tokens, but that's mm-hmm. basically everything. That's pretty much and, it. Yeah. Yeah. And I really love this idea. <laughs> what I really <laughs> like as well is uh, actually the routing that uh, you just fire a command and the Axon server points it to the correct handler. You don't specify mm-hmm. anything like where you are sending it. Axon server just grabs it and sends it to a correct client. Yeah. And that's something that we also have seen a lot of people enjoying that uh, which is important right because that's the whole idea you want to that's part of the 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 that is the location transparency that we oftentimes yes, yes. talk about right you don't really need to know um where things are going to as long as they are handled uh, by the by the correct um, receivers basically right um and that's that is extremely powerful and also makes the life of the developer or um, somebody in the ops mm-hmm. team even much easier because you don't have to yes, worry yes, about definitely. all the gritties. And that's something you that you to... mentioned that I, yeah, I'm sorry to 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 uh, cut <laughs> you off, but I also really appreciate that the fact that you said it's um, just ha- it's based on messages. You're not using uh, REST API or anything like that. So you just if you're, let's say, creating a new microservice in your system, or maybe um, you're bringing a part of your um, application out of your monolith and making it into your uh, its own module, for example, you reroute the messages and the work is more or less done, right? So that makes uh, that makes it easier as well. Mm. Yes, exactly. Really yeah, I'm sorry, you were, you're going to mention another thing. Address. <laughs> you don't have yeah. to bound any static REST address anywhere. You just fill, you just send a command and that's basically everything. And mm-hmm. I really like this idea. And speaking of location transparency, this also uh, makes us sleep better because we know that, for example, if one day we need to go worldwide, we just simply start an instance in America or mm-hmm. Australia and connect it to the Axon cluster. Then we start some local microservices there, and that's basically everything what we need to do. 
And yeah, this is and an idea which I really that. like. <laughs> yes, yeah, I love that you mentioned that. Uh, it, it can be multi-zoned. You don't need to know um, exactly how it's connected. It does get connected to where you want it to, where you want it to go, which is awesome. Uh, for the interest of time, um, is there anything else you want to mention? I know we, we talked a lot about uh, a lot of things and maybe we'll come back and talk more uh, in detail about some of those points. Um, anything else though for, the, for this portion that you think might be useful for somebody who's a newcomer? Hmm. <laughs> it's a good question. I'm, I don't have prepared any answer. <laughs> That's okay. All of the above. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe just read about it, right? Maybe just kind of do a little bit of um, exploring and uh, experimenting and mm, see what works definitely. For, for everybody. Yeah. Uh, read some basics of CQRS and event sourcing, what and actually why it's so useful to do it. And definitely don't ignore DDD part because <laughs> this is this is maybe more important than the whole CQRS and event sourcing, I think, <laughs> mm, <laughs> to have the ubiquitous yeah. language, to uh, speak with the business uh, so you understand each other. This right, is right. Uh, the most precious thing. I, 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 the most precious thing, it's... I I think <laughs> that's really important. And I'm so happy you mentioned this um, because I think we do talk a lot about why is it difficult to be in a microservices world, right? If you have an application, for example, that uses various modules, or if you have various applications within your um, systems, the most difficult thing is the communication part, right? That's the whole idea that we're trying to to make better, right, and to improve on because communicating within your microservices can be really messy. And I think yes. <laughs> in in our lives as human beings, that is also a huge problem, right? Communication is the key to succeed or fail a lot of times. And what you mentioned now, I think, is really, really important. And I think if I would take one takeaway out of this conversation would be communicate with your business side as well. Because you have to be on the same page. You have to be able to mm. speak the same language. If you have two different yes. names for the same thing, it it will cause a lot of problems in the end. So I, definitely, I appreciate definitely. you mentioning that. <laughs> and of course, how you would like to model something, some event, if you don't actually know the intention of the event. What does it actually mean? This is often a pain. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes, yes. The intention is absolutely important um, because that's basically what drives um, that decision part of decision making part of your application to um, to basically be delivered right and uh, <laughs> be done correctly. Absolutely, very nice. Thank you so much. This was such a uh, it was a quick conversation, but there was a lot that happened. I really appreciate your time and really thank you for. Um, for answering to all my questions, I put you on the spot a lot, and uh, <laughs> you gave me wonderful answers to all of my questions. Thank you. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed my talk with Yaroslav. Please join me next time as I speak with other wonderful guests about amazing topics. Until then, have a great time and happy coding.